Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. I really wanted to take a quick second just to thank all of you who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology Radio. It has been such an exciting adventure for me. There are so many amazing things that are happening over here that I definitely want to share with you. So for the next few months, every person who signs up for my free newsletter will be entered into a drawing. In this monthly drawing, whomever wins will win a free 30-minute Skype call with me, James Miller. I will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. So go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and sign up for my free newsletter there. Who knows? Maybe you will be the lucky winner. So sign up today. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to encourage you that your insecurities won't stop your destiny. I'll also be interviewing author Joseph Gancy, who will be reviewing his book, Gideon, The Sound and the Glory. This is an epic story, which is a great example of a hero full of insecurities who overcame them to conquer a kingdom. For more information on Joseph Gancy, please visit gideonsglory.com. You may also purchase this book, Gideon, The Sound and the Glory, on Amazon or at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on this same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me on iHeartRadio, as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, such as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but some of you may not yet know me as a composer. I currently have two albums which have been released. Think of both albums like books. Each original composition is written like a chapter in a book. The first album, Consolation, explores a character's grief and loss. And just like in any book, the story explores a character's heartache and eventually he finds healing and hope. The second album, Restoration, explores a character's personal development. He has an awakening, and in that awakening, he recognizes all the things in his life which aren't healthy, and it helps him come to a place of restoration, being restored to something greater than before. You may purchase both albums on iTunes or any other digital music store. The names of the albums are Consolation and Restoration, and my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you're currently hearing is from the first album, Consolation, entitled Uncertainty. quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the academy entitled when all hell breaks loose (laughs) we've all experienced those times when nothing seems to go right this class will specifically train you how to process the event regroup and use what was thought as a stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone enroll in the class today a water bearer in india had two large pots one hung on each end of a pole which he carried across his neck one of the pots had a crack in it while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of the long walk from the stream to the master's house the crack spot arrived only half full for a full two years this went on daily with a bear delivering only one and a half pots full of water into his master's house the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments perfect to the end for which it was made but the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfections and miserable that it was only able to accomplish only half what it had been made to do after two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day. I'm ashamed of myself and I want to apologize to you. Why? asked the water bearer. What are you ashamed of? For these past years, I've only been able to deliver half of my load because a crack on my side causes water to leak out. Because of my flaws, you have to do all this work and you don't get a full value for your efforts. 
The water bearer felt sorry for the old cracked pot. And in his compassion, he said, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. Indeed, as they went up the hill, the old cracked pot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers on the side of the path, and this cheered him up. But at the end of the trail, it still felt badly because it had leaked out half of its load, and so again it apologized to the bear for its failure. The bear said to the pot, Did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot side? That's because I've always known about your flaw, and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day we walk back from the stream, you've watered them. For the past two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, he would not have this beautiful to grace his home. Your insecurities don't stop you from your destiny. Many times when we think about the dreams that we have for ourselves and all we want to accomplish in our future, we can become very excited about it. But then when we stop and think about it, we think, well, how can I do that? I'm not a very good public speaker. I'm very shy. I'm overweight. And we come up with all these excuses for why we think we can't accomplish all the goals we have because we're lacking. Did you realize there are so many famous individuals who have overcome many things, but were still able to fulfill their destiny? For example, Sir Winston Churchill had a really bad speech impediment. He stuttered very badly, but he overcame it and became the prime minister. I read of another person, a governor who had really bad dyslexia, and he later became the governor of Connecticut. Shaquille O'Neal, he was told that he would never be a good basketball player because he was too slow and he didn't have any stamina. But now look at him. The list goes on and on of all those people who've overcome some type of insecurity and have followed through with the dreams that were in their heart. So I ask you, what is different about you? Because remember, there's nothing new under the sun. We all experience some type of insecurity. And so if you think, oh, I can't do this because of such and such, well, other people have overcome it as well. And I don't say that to compare you to them. I just simply say that to say if other people have overcome it, then that means you can overcome it as well. My guest today is Joseph Gansey, who actually talks about this in his book. The main character is actually from the Bible. And so we're not going to focus on the religious context of it, but just simply this person was very insecure, very timid, and felt like he couldn't do anything at all. But when you hear more about this person, you'll hear how he achieved his destiny. So the simple lesson today is when you sit back and reflect in your life and think that you can't accomplish your dreams because you're insecure, well, you're only insecure if you believe it to be true. The only thing that's stopping you from reaching your highest destiny is what you perceive about yourself. You determine your success. Read about all those amazing people who've overcome very similar insecurities that you have, and that will encourage you and empower you to reach your highest destiny. Lost in the forest of fear and doubt, the ancients struggled emotionally exactly in the same ways as we do today. King Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. But that was before social media. Then it was called hot topic gossip. My guest today is author Joseph Gansey, who is the author of the book, Gideon, the Sound and the Glory. Welcome to my show, Joseph. Well, thank you, James, for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you on my show today. You're a different type of guest that I typically have, but I'm really excited to talk about your book and and just how it's inspiring the people around them. Well, thank you. It was an exciting to write it and to read it. I read it often myself, and I'm kind of surprised. When I read it myself, I go, who wrote this thing? (laughs) That's wonderful. Well, so I want to give some people some backstory about you, and then we'll definitely talk about the heart of the book and just how how it's really relevant to all, all, all of my listeners. So give us a little bit of your backstory. So where are you originally from? Well, I was born in Brooklyn at a very early age. (laughs) And I uh, grew up on Long Island, uh, came across uh, the Robert Moses Causeway. It was real comfortable in the the wild chill of the North Atlantic. Uh, There was the the white flight at the time where 
a lot of Jewish and Italian folks and Polish and moved out to Long Island from the city. Mm. And uh, so there was quite a few. Uh, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood, even though it was on the island, there was a lot of uh, Jews, friends with Jews. I, you know, I'd be over their houses. And I was I always had a, a kinship uh, to the Jewish culture. Mm. I don't know why, maybe just familiarity. You know, when you're young, you're growing up, things become secure that are familiar. Sure. Uh, the attachment of it. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I've always enjoyed that. I, I enjoy the cult, you know, the, a culture so steeped for mm. so many thousands of years. It's fascinating to me. And in that, is that when you discovered you wanted to be a, a writer or an author? No, that came quite a bit later in life. My, my main impetus in life was always business. I always mm. loved business the most. Although I've always been a, a searcher. Uh, I've read the I Ching and, and other uh, uh, Eastern philosophies always fascinated me. And uh, meditation has always been a, a strong part of my ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, I see, you know, religion is for people who don't want to go to hell. Mm. Spirituality is for people who have already been there. Ah, interesting. Oh, I really like that, Joseph. That's, that's, I like that. And I think that makes a lot of sense for many people. There's a connection, though, between, you know, we do things religiously, and that's what it means. It's a certain ethic that continues to do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Of course, sometimes they expect a different outcome. <laughs> it's considered <laughs> insanity. <laughs> but I, but I, I definitely agree that sometimes the reason why people have a certain belief system is some religions are just, I guess, people who get caught up in the religiosity of things. There's nothing wrong with religions, but just the religiosity of something versus the spirituality component of doing something as a part of something greater or giving back in a way where it creates, it's done out of, out of joy and bliss as opposed to doing something where it's sometimes out of guilt and out of shame. Many times I'll, I'll, I'll still visit other churches, uh, not, none of my ethic, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I see a lot of it as the stick and carrot mentality of religion. And I think that really draws people away from the, from mm-hmm. the religious ethic, you know, and Really, you know, when we're in the service of our fellow beings, are we not in the service of our God? And when we're in that service and in that moment, are we not divorced from self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity? And in that service and in that moment, is that not when we make our conscious contact with our Creator? Mm. The magic words is really action and more action, for faith without works is dead. Yeah, it's so true. If I'm taking, if I'm seeing to your well-being, to my seeing to your wealth, if I'm more interested in you than I'm interested in me, I have a good life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As we're all more servants to the people around us, that's when we truly grow and develop in our own way. And we're understanding just now your philosophy and mentality was religion and spirituality. And now we get to talk about the wonderful book that you wrote. It's interesting. I was watching the, the clip, actually the two clips that you have on YouTube, and it was quite, it's quite epic, if you will. Someone who grew up reading high fantasy, like The Hobbits or Lord of the Rings, um, those types of books, I've always been drawn to that genre. So to see this and I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is amazing. And then to see kind of the the clip or the trailer of the, of, of the potential movie of it, it was it really seemed like I said epic. <laughs> so I can't <laughs> wait for you to tell us about the book. How did the book come about? Well, let me stop for one second. 
Many people may not know who Gideon is. Gideon is a is well. In fact, I'll let you tell us who Gideon is. You know, that's um. While I was writing the book, I wanted to take a consensus of the uh, regular Joe on the street to Mm -hmm. see how many people knew of this of his story. We everybody knows the name Gideon. I mean, that's it's almost a household word. I don't think you can find anybody in Western culture that doesn't has not heard the name Gideon somewhere somehow. So I'll ask him, well, what do you know about Gideon? And most you know, most of the time what the response was. Right. Is that not the fellow who puts the Bibles in the hotel rooms? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, did, I totally forgot about that. That's hysterical. <laughs> That's what I got most of the time. Isn't that the guy in the hotel? <laughs> and there's a few that knew that, you know, and some knew a little bit more than others. Uh, that he was in, you know, the Old Testament and the 300 and, you know, and so it get it usually that's about it. And then it would get pretty sketchy at that point. The interesting part is that no one has ever really written his story before. Hmm. I found I found one back in 1978 was like 128 pages, but not really concise. And then I even found an old Italian movie that they did on Gideon. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, it was on. Uh, it was YouTube somewhere. I was going through all the Gideons, and there was a couple interesting clips on there. It never really, you know, it was in um, uh, voice. What do they call it? You know the oh, the vo- uh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, the, the magazine thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it was okay. I mean, it was there was really not much to it. They did the, as much as they can. The problem with writing Gideon's story, why no one's really ever done this before in the scope, is because there's not enough story to make a novel out of. Mm-hmm. It's just that I when, when I went through it, this he's Gideon's stories in three chapters of Judges, Judges six, seven, and eight. And so I'm writing the story. So there's three chapters. I, I for some reason I decided to count the number of passages, the number of uh, verses in that there was exactly 100 verses in those three chapters. Hmm. And Gideon takes 300 men, right? He starts out with 32,000, then it's 10,000. And God says, no, that's still too many, because if you win with all these men, you're going to think you did it. Yeah. And so then even with 10,000, he says, no, still too many. And then, you know, the, they ha- he has a little drinking out of the water, which, which was fascinating, trying to figure out which one, according to the King James especially, uh, was the, wasn't the ones who lapped like dogs, mm-hmm. because dogs are unreliable and you never know what they're going to do. It wasn't the ones who kneeled down because they were used to kneeling down to foreign mm-hmm. idols. It was the ones who kept their eyes on the horizon and they lapped out of their hands. You know why? Their hands were clean. So they had clean hands Hmm. and no fear. Oh, so there's much symbolism there as well. And also looking to the rise and looking up above. There's so many symbols there. Yeah, they're they're looking. Yeah, yeah. so it it all, those those are kind of the parts that came together. So it was all this this symbolism that was, was, being drawn out little by little, but to study. And, you know, it was revelatory. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. It was revelatory. If you read the book, you'll be impressed. It's an easy read. Uh, and I, on my dedication page, one of the uh, 
dedicatories is to my uh, sweet granddaughter, Claire Wellborn, uh, my fifth grade proofreader, <laughs> violin, violinist, and philosopher extraordinaire. Oh my goodness. She's a force to be reckoned with already. <laughs> I tried to take all the words that are not familiar. I tried to keep it down to a, uh, an easy read level. And uh, all the people that have read it so far that I know, they'll, they'll usually say, you're a really good writer and it's an easy read. Good. Well, let me read the hook or I guess the back cover that one would read sure. for that. So w- what I have here is unsung heroes and murderous villains hidden forever in ancient shadows now leaps to life blazing onto the pages of revelation the canaanite age of iron finds a simple woodsman lost in the forest of fear and doubt challenging bahal the amorite god to rescue his one true love and grows into a mighty man of valor conquering the midian empire now that whether people know who gideon is or who they don't know who he is that in itself is going to draw so many people <laughs> who love high fantasy and high fiction like that because it's, it's a it immediately instills like oh what is this about and it's like that the story is like that you, you know our western civilization our western culture is based primarily on what's in the bible mm-hmm. and here's a story of an unsung hero i mean three thousand years he's been hidden no one really ever found out about this fella yeah you know there's little little bits here and there uh, a lot of misunderstandings he was he wasn't a child see at the end this was funny i'm i'm, I'm on ch- chapter eight of judges and at the end uh he has the midian kings by the hand and he says i would have left you alive this is one of the things that got me i would have left you alive but you kill the sons of my mother even my brethren hmm. to bore and i'm going the sons of my mother who says that you've never yeah. heard that before. no I've never yeah yeah well and then he says my brethren and so people normally because they're not familiar with the term will pass it over and so that means his brothers right mm-hmm. he killed my brothers at tabor that that started the first eight seven chapters of the book that one word and and then he then he asks his son he tells his son jether who's with him to kill the kings you know, stand up and kill him. I'm going to let you kill the man who killed your uncles. Mm. But he, but, but, Je- you know, Jether uh, is still a youth and he, he doesn't. And I'm going, wait a minute, Jether, where did this kid come from? <laughs> it was like having a knock at the door and this yeah. 14 year old child standing there going, hi, dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Where did you come from? <laughs> That changed a lot of the story because yeah. if they, if he was there at that time and he was still a youth, that means Gideon had to be a minimum of 32 years old and he was probably 35 or maybe even 40. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, it changes the whole dynamic. Oh, it certainly does, yeah. Well, where'd the kid come from, right? So, and, and what's, what's Jeffrey doing at that, at that critical juncture? How did he get there? Well, he didn't take the bus in from Pomona. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was there from the beginning. So he's part of the storyline of Gideon chasing the kings. Mm. Wow. Insights like that. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's one of the beauty about the, 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 the inspired aspects of anyone who's, who's a, a creator of some sort when it comes to an artist or an author or a musician is those little tidbits of inspiration that just 
it like explodes the mind, like, oh my gosh, I've never noticed it before. And then you study it and you research it or you contemplate and meditate on it and it just takes on a whole, whole world of its own. There was so much like that in the book. It was unbelievable. It just like every day was like going to the top of a mountain to where no one had ever been before. Mm. Wow. And it was, it's exciting. I mean, it was it's very exciting. Just, yes. Yeah. It was very cerebral. It's not a physical mountain, but it was a mountain of revelation, you know, sure. just like, wow, how come no. And you know, and Google, I'll, I'll tell you this, um, a thousand years hence, the anthropologists will conclude that as a society, we all commune with an all-knowing oracle named Google. Which <laughs> <laughs> is true. That is true. You're, yeah, that is quite hysterical. <laughs> and I, I couldn't have done it with, without uh, Google. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, God gave me the uh, inspiration, sure. but Google gave me the access to plethora of information. I mean, we've never had access to this type of information at our fingertips mm. ever before. Yeah. And I believe that's why one of the reasons no one's ever attempted this compilation of a story because you didn't have the ability to get gather this information. For instance, Gideon's uh, concubine, his, the only woman he ever loves, right? And he has a uh, a child, but I love child with this woman. Her name is Druma. Huh. I and didn't know that. Really, yeah, well, that was really her name. I got it from Josephus. Huh. Yeah, Josephus had her name. Her name was Druma. And the child is Abimelech. And Abimelech is the half-breed, he's half-breed because his mother's a Canaanite and his father's Israel, Gideon. Mm. And he becomes... He kills his 70 brothers, a Congress of judges. That's why he killed them. Of course, I put the story in the emotional aspect of the story where they would, his brothers would chide him. You know how brothers do it, right? Because <laughs> he, he was his father's favorite mm. because he's the one, because his father loved his mother more than all the other wives. See, it wasn't his wife. He couldn't marry her, but he loved oh, her. Oh, because more. she was a Canaanite, yeah. Well, she, he, he was in love with her. I yeah. mean, it didn't matter who, where she was from, but he was just in love with her. So he took extra care with her son and doted on him. And he's the one who ends up killing his brothers. And his brothers represented a Congress of judges. So when he killed all his brothers, that he did that so he could become the first king of Israel. Ah. ah, see, I told I told a Jewish rabbi friend that um, that I do a Torah study, the first five books of the Bible, uh -huh. and I says, you know, uh, Abimelech is the first king of Israel, not Saul. And he says, no, 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 no. He says it's uh, uh, his mother wasn't Israel, so he couldn't be king of Israel, right? And I says, well, wait a minute, Solomon's mother wasn't Israel either. Oh, that's true. And there's another way to become a king. You have an army. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. <laughs> <laughs> who's, the, who's that guy in the background says, I can't be king? <laughs> Move him, please. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I was reading some of this, I was like, oh, I, I, it sounds like he's, and this is totally my, clearly my ignorance, but I was like, it sounds like he took some creative liberty here and there as he's trying to go rescue his love interest. And, but then hearing all this, I was like, oh, I, I didn't know that. I'm not that I'm like the all-knowing when it comes to the Bible, but clearly something that people know the story like you just said there's so many elements of this that we just don't know so i'm literally blown away by hearing that as well and, and i'm excited to to 
me personally to read this book because I, I think I would really, really enjoy it myself. <laughs> but I wanted to say this because I know some people who aren't uh, maybe have a completely different belief system that's that's either you know maybe they don't even uh, believe in god or believe in anything uh greater than themselves which is absolutely fine how do you think that they that would make sense for them when they were to read this book i think it would be enlivening Mm -hmm. uh there's 14 battles and a love story uh if you don't believe in god well, you surely believe in battles and a love story. <laughs> yeah, we can all relate with that. <laughs> the emotional takeaways, yeah. I think, are the important. Like I said, I, you know, I've, I've read and studied the I Ching and, and Confucianism and, you know, so uh, uh, Taoism, uh, for instance, um, uh, who was it? Buddha, uh, mm-hmm. Citra, right? His moment of enlightenment. He's sitting at a river, because a river is always about spirituality. Mm-hmm. He's sitting and meditating, and a boat's coming along down the river, and there's a musician in there, and he's tightening up his string instrument, and then the Buddha's looking at him, and he realizes if the, if the uh, musician tightens it too tight, the, the spring, it'll snap, and if he doesn't do it tight enough, it'll thud and not make music. And that's where he realized his philosophy was the middle way, mm. not yeah and that's and you know sometimes even if you don't believe you're not a believer and you believe that this is all just uh we're in a void and this was all just a giant crapshoot and whatever it's it's interesting on the emotional level Mm -hmm. to see the middle way this is this is about the middle way i did the book in five parts and each part has an emotional spiritual takeaway yeah, I saw that. I saw the different parts, and it's it's very expansive as far as how the levels that it goes through. It starts with Gideon and ends with with David, right? Yeah, well, it starts with Barak, actually. Oh, Barak. Okay, yeah. Right, because it starts at the Battle of Mount Tabor. That's where the word Tabor. I googled it. You know, Tabor. Where Tabor <laughs> come from? You know, it doesn't say anything. Yeah. And, and you see, by the time you get from Judges four and to uh, Gideon's story. You've completely forgot about Judges 4 and 5. That's like in another universe. Yeah. So that's why nobody's ever put it together. And he says, you killed the sons of my mother, even my brethren, at Tabor. And I go, wait, so that means the kings were at Tabor. They probably weren't kings then because it was 40 years earlier. And and then Gideon had brothers. They don't even mention his Mm. brothers. So you know there was more than one. And uh, so I gave him three brothers. Because I figured sure, that every, every, everything was in threes, because the sons of my mother, plural, mm-hmm. so two, so I gave him three. And so I moved that there. So Barak, which is his emotional takeaway, is that he's the general of Israel. And uh, during one of the battles, he's putting on the enemy's uniform. I don't want to give too much away. Um, and when he's putting the uniform on, he's kind of surprised. He says, you know, um, generals are, are viewed larger than life, but because it fits so well. He was surprised that the enemy's uniform fit him so well, another general. He says, in life, we're looked at as larger than life, but in death, we're all the same size. Mm. Wow, that's, that's really a point. That's very, <laughs> very deep. That's, we're going to just stop on that for a second and think about that. <laughs> and his, Brock's point was that even from the right, he's in the, right in the beginning. He's going into Oprah, 
believe it or not. That's the, that's the, uh, that's uh, Barack's going at though. I had a friend of mine says, you can't use those names. I says, these are the names that are in the Bible. That's funny. <laughs> they were famous even back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, they're spelled different, but Gideon's town was named Oprah. Oh, spelled different than Oprah Winfrey, but yeah. it's Oprah. And so Barack is going into that town to do a recruitment speech to gather in Gideon's brothers. Mm. And and so Barack's whole deal was he would see the end from the beginning. He saw the victory as he was starting out his journey. Wow. And he stayed focused and directed with that thought. What a great and emotional thought, isn't it? Yeah, I that's mean, your beautiful takeaway, yes. Yeah, see the, see the end from the beginning when you start the journey. See the end of the road. Well, it's funny, even in Stephen Covey and... Um, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. That's what he. That's one of his th- concepts is see, have the end in mind first. And so it's the same thing. It's the same thing that was taught years and years ago. Like you said, there's nothing new under the sun under when the we sun. originally started. <laughs> so this is once again another realization of how everything all works together. From yeah. what we have now, that's considered logic and and great takeaways has already been instilled years and years ago. Years ago, and then the second, of course, then in the second half is uh, Gideon. And Gideon was uh, a man of low self-esteem, really bad. He was, he was shy, unassuming. So when the angel tells him he's going to conquer the Midian Empire as one man, he's going like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> you got the wrong guy. This is not me. Like, he's shocked. He get, so if you, in the story, uh, he keeps testing the waters to make sure <laughs> <laughs> There's no mistake. You know, like, like he keeps asking God, I know you're not, you got something wrong here. Let's, let's check it. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, the, he's got to do the fleece, you know, the yeah. fleece has got water. It doesn't have water. You know, and then he hears the, the pro, I, I explain the prophecy uh, when he goes down and, and then there's a manservant named uh, Fura. He's only mentioned once. Well, Fura had, Fura was back with the brothers. So Fura oh. Yeah, Fura gets a big role, and that's how it connects up with the prophecy of uh, Gideon conquering the Midian Empire as one man. Wow. And, so there's yeah. so much, to, I mean, literally, there's so much in here that this is a very dense book that I know my <laughs> listeners will definitely, definitely enjoy. Unfortunately, our time is up for now, but I wanted to thank you so much for being a guest on my show today, Joseph. You're quite welcome. Now, if my listeners would like to find out more information about you and about your amazing book, Gideon, The Sound and the Glory, where would they find your information online? Well, it would be Amazon. That would be the way that you click on Amazon. I have my title, my author page is on there. You have a choice of getting it in um, um, Kindle, the electronic reader, soft cover. The hardcover is really the one you want. Uh, they're selling it now for uh, $20 for the hardcover. Oh, wow. Cover. That's really, that's a great deal. Yeah, it's a great deal. I have to put it up for $29.99. You like that? At, 29, <laughs> at $29.99, I make 38 cents. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's crazy. Uh, I know. Well, that's why nobody does the hardcover. Yeah. <laughs> I have to give them a 55% discount. Gotcha. To, to get the channel. So they can turn around and sell it for 20 and still make six or seven dollars. I still make 38 cents. Trickery. I see where this is going <laughs> with them. <laughs> so well, what I'm going to do. 
That's why they call it Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a girl, that's funny. Well, Joseph, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and put your link, put your book, uh, Gideon, The Sound and the Glory, on my website and my storefront, which will link them directly to um, Amazon. So if my listeners aren't able to find it on Amazon, just simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com. Go to the store and you can find, once again, Joseph's book, Gideon, The Sound and the Glory. Joseph, thank you once again for your, your time and, and wisdom today. We really appreciated you being a guest on our show today. Oh, thank you so much, James. I enjoyed it. I also want to thank you, my listener, for joining with me today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with me. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for my newsletter, enroll in the Lifeology Academy, watch my YouTube episodes, and read all the articles I've written just for you. If you'd like to become a guest or advertise on my show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. You may also follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Have a fantastic day, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon.